This is the Agent Revolution Podcast, the next evolution of the real estate industry. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Agent Revolution Podcast. Every week we sit down with the top agents across the country who've seen this amazing opportunity to grow with eXp. As always, I'm your host, eXp Mega Agent and Team Leader, Mike Wall. Man, we got a big time producer today. Super excited to be sitting down with the number one agent in San Diego, California, Mr. Kyle Whistle. Kyle is a personal friend of mine, so I'm pumped to talk to him about his journey to eXp. You'll definitely want to hear what this guy has to say. Here he is, Kyle Whistle. All right, Mr. Kyle Whistle, man, let's jump right in. Hey, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for for giving us some of your time today. Uh, I know your time is very precious, and 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 I want to also say something because you've always been kind of a mentor from afar for me, and so to have you on today is 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 not only an honor for our audience, but it's an audience or it, it's it's a it, it's truly special to me because like you know. You've done so much for the industry, um, and, and this is not just from an EXP standpoint, but you know, from a real estate standpoint. And, and so, it is truly an honor to have you on the call today, man. So, um, you know, why don't we start off with, um, with, with you know, a little backstory? Tell everybody how you know you ended up getting into real estate. How, how did this all take place? Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up in a real estate family. My dad was a commercial realtor, um, basically before I was born and started company back in 1979. I was born in 1981. I personally hated real estate growing up because my dad was, um, he was a top producing realtor himself and he was always out there crushing it. But a lot of times he was not showing up. My parents were divorced at a young age and all the times not showing up to, you know, the soccer game or the basketball game or was missing his days. He was supposed to be with me or he was late and all that stuff. And so as a kid growing up, I hated real estate because I associated those times where my dad was later no showing to real estate. So never in a million years growing up did I think I would get into real estate. But uh, when I was 19 in college, I was thinking I was scooping popcorn at a movie theater at the time. And my dad kept pushing me to buy something. This was <laughs> in the early 2000s. He's like, son, you've got to buy something. You got to buy something like the market's hot, buy something. I was like, I scoop popcorn at a movie theater. I can't buy anything. And he's like, yeah, you can, you can do it. You've got good credit. So they put a mirror under my nose. I fogged it. They gave me a loan for 500,000 bucks because that's just how it used to work back in the early 2000s. Somehow scooping popcorn, that's incredible. Or got a half a million dollar loan, which is stupid at the time. And is part of the reason why the market crashed. But um, (laughs) so I got in, I bought that property. I held it for three months. I sold it. I made 17,000 bucks while I was at a movie theater scooping popcorn and they had recently offered me a nickel an hour raise. And I was like, huh, do I want to be over here dealing with nickels or do I want to be over here dealing with five figure checks? And so um talked to my dad and I was like, hey, all right, I know I hated real estate my whole life, but it's time we talk about this real estate thing because I just made 17,000 bucks, 19 years old in college. That was pretty awesome. And so I started out in the industry and in the commercial. And so you were hooked. Yeah, I mean, 17 Gs, that's a lot of money. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I started out with my dad. He did a lot of commercial stuff, mostly apartment buildings, also did some shopping centers. So we worked together. We teamed up on all of that stuff and learned a ton from him as far as the negotiation and all of that stuff goes and just the industry in general. But there was a big disconnect when it came to technology. I mean, he was he'd find a property he liked to send to his client. He would print it. Then he would take a post-it note, put it over the other agent's name. 
then stamp his name on the post-it note and then fax it to a client. Like it was insane. I mean, this was in the 2000s. Like this wasn't in 1960. Like this was in the 2000s. He was doing that. And it was just such a disconnect with technology. Um, you know, I was getting a little frustrated with it. And then we were selling a lot of apartment buildings to the guys that would con- you know, gut them and convert them to condos and sell them off individually. Um, and so kind of at the same time, the city made it impossible to do those condo conversions anymore. And my frustration with the technology kind of hit a boiling point. And so I decided to branch out from my dad, start my own thing. And a lot of my investors that were buying these apartment buildings, when they couldn't convert them to condos anymore, they were like, well, it doesn't make sense to buy these apartments because the numbers don't make sense. But what about that foreclosure over there? What about that short sale over there? And I started looking around and I saw these agents, you know, with 100 short sales, 200 foreclosures. Like it was insane to me. And I was in my early 20s and I was like, you know, these commercial checks have been really cool. They're big checks. But in your early 20s, when you only get a check every two or three months and it's a big check, trying to make that last is not an easy thing to do. So seeing these people on the residential side that were really closing a deal a day, you know, I was like, man, that would be really cool. And so I transitioned over to the residential side and um, started up in like 2008. So about 10 years in on the residential side now. And now we're literally are closing more than a house a day, which is really rad. That's that's just freaking awesome. And and I think, you know, for you. So one of the things that I've always really admired about what you guys do is the kind of culture that you've created. And I think, you know, I think when you talk to team leaders about, you know, recruiting and retention, um, a culture is a big part of that. And, and so I can only imagine that, you know, okay, so you transition from commercial into residential and then, you know, automatically like, are you, so are you on your own at this point or are you already starting? Have you already kind of started to go down this like whole team structure path? So when I initially branched out on my own, I hired an assistant day one. I've literally never worked with an assistant. I don't understand why anybody would work without an assistant because, the saying that's always stuck with me from a young age is if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. So you need an assistant, no matter what you're doing, you need to have somebody because if you look at the work you're doing, you know, in a perfect world, you're making 50, a hundred bucks an hour minimum. And you can hire people to help you for 10, 15 bucks an hour, depending on what part of the country you're in. So if you should be focusing on hundred dollar activities and you can hire somebody to do the $15 activities, and you have somebody hired, you're actually making an extra 85 bucks an hour by hiring an assistant. So people focus too much on the $15 an hour they gotta pay the assistant, not on the $85 more per hour that it's gonna make them. So always gotta have an assistant. So I started out with an assistant from day one, um, ran with that for a while. I was started landing a lot of these big you know, foreclosure REO accounts, started getting a lot of short sales, and I was getting all these leads coming in and I didn't really know what to do with them. I, I really had no idea what the value of a lead was back then. So I initially had a buddy who ran a, a big box brokerage and I would like, hey, once a week, I'll send you some leads, see if you guys can convert them. It was crazy. Like, so once a week, I'd export leads and send them to them. Of course, that didn't work. They never converted anything. Then I tried to have a couple agents work under my brokerage, but uh, with no supervision or anything. Like, hey, here's, here's the leads. Maybe you guys can convert them. And now it's just going to two people I know. And, but I didn't train them. I didn't mentor them. I didn't give them systems. They didn't convert anything. And I was like, all right, man, I got to do something here. Like, this is just not working. I'm wasting all these leads. So then um, I was sitting around on Black Friday one day and 
Dell had a sale on computers for like 250 bucks. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's time. Like, let's just go big. And I bought 10 computers. I only had two people working with me, but I bought 10 computers. I was like, screw it. Like, let's just go all in. It's time to do this. And so I bought 10 computers. And then I was like, shit, I got 10 computers. Like, what? I need some office space now. So then I went, I found an office. And I was like, all right, cool. I got space. I got 10 computers. Now I need people. And then the first year, I hired anybody with a pulse. I mean, I had people that were eight years old all the way up to 80 years old. And that was a huge mistake. I lost well over six figures that first year because I had people that were inventing apps and I had people that didn't even know what an app was. It was crazy. Like, it was just a terrible idea. And after that first year, which was a very expensive learning lesson, I started to understand the value of culture and started hiring the right people to fit within our culture, which we are young, we are tech savvy, we're blunt, we're aggressive. Um, we really started to identify what our culture is. And we like to have fun while we do this. Like we have a work hard, play harder mentality. And once we really nailed down what that culture was and hired the right people to fit that culture, that was the year we went from 82 transactions to 242 transactions. It was huge because now we wow, have in one year on the team in one year that was our, our big leap year that's impressive man yeah so, man. okay so so when you nice. talk, talk about you go ahead man i didn't mean to cut you off no uh, no i was just say we've been just been growing and growing since um that at that point we were still doing a lot of reo and a lot of short sale stuff but we had a high unit count but our average price point was crap i mean and we're in san diego california 70 miles of coastline here beaches and our average price point was like 267. And we started to sh see the shift oh, market and got away from all the foreclosure stuff and started shifting to traditional. And the cool thing is we've been able to keep our transaction count up, but we've damn near tripled our average price point since then. So, you know, last year we finished at over $205 million in volume, which has been amazing. That's sick, man. And, and by the way, I, you know, I, I'm in, I'm sitting here in the Midwest right now and, and, and we would love an average sale price of 260. So we're having to make our money through, through units, you know what I mean? And, and so, but it's, it's a whole different scenario. Obviously cost of living is a lot lower here, but you know, certainly I'm a little jealous that, you know, your, your, your average price point is, is so much higher than ours. <laughs> but it's a blessing and a curse because, well, I, you know, here you could do a deal a month and make six figures. So getting agents to push beyond just making six figures is tough. You know, they don't have to do a lot of business. So we struggle with that out here. Yeah, I, I can only imagine, man. So I, I'm curious, you know, and, and you know, the, the whole the whole reason behind, you know, why I decided to do this podcast is because, you know, I wanted to talk about and, and, and it's entitled Agent Revolution. I wanted to talk about like you know, I wanted to provide a platform for agents to come in and talk about um, change and, and specifically related to, you know, the psychology of what they went through when they moved from wherever they were at to EXP, because let's face it, everybody has a different story to tell. And, you know, so my first interview was with a, gal, a guy named Al Stasek and, and, and then last week interviewed a guy named Jay Kinder, who come from similar backgrounds in that they, they both had their own brokerages. And yet they each had, you know, a different story to tell. And, and so, you know, that that's kind of setting you up for, you know, so when you when you transitioned over, like, right, you built this unbelievable company with a great culture. And it's like, 
you had everything. I mean, at that point, you you know, you, some realtors would look at you and say, "Man, you are absolutely crazy for you know upsetting the apple cart here. You've just got so much going on for you." So, I mean, my question to you then is, is you know, why don't we let's talk about like when you first heard about EXP? What were your thoughts? Like, did you pass the idea over like I did and several other agents, or did you get it right away? Kind of talk talk about that. Um. I had heard the name, but I didn't really know what it was initially. I, I started hearing the name a little bit more and more, but it wasn't until I started seeing names make the move that I recognized that I really took the time to dive deep into it. So I think from the first time I heard about it to the first time I actually dove into it, it was probably six months. And then once I dove into it, I was committed within two weeks. Because once you really dive into wow. the model, you realize the opportunity. And a big part of that opportunity is being early to the party. Like this isn't a, a cocktail party where you want to show up fashionably late. Like this is where you want to be the first person to the party, get the best seat in the house and, and really take advantage of that opportunity. So yeah, um, Daniel Beer and I, we yeah. both kind of looking at this thing and we went to lunch and he was like, you know, things are about to shake up a little bit, you know, that things are changing in our industry. And I was like, I got a feeling you're looking at the same thing I am. And we realized that we had both been looking at the same model and decided like, you're in, I'm in, let's do this thing together. Let's, let's go full steam ahead. And then we met with Mary Maloney, who's another really heavy hitter here in San Diego. And she was looking at the same thing and, you know, linked arms with us. And, you know, now we've got $100 million producers all over the country that have linked arms with us. It's been really cool. That's, that's amazing, man. So when you guys, when you, so when you decided, okay, like I'm all in on this EXP deal, like what, what, how was your team structured? In other words, um, how many agents did you have? What did your admin staff look like? I mean, what, what size team were you actually pulling over when you pulled the trigger? Um, we all in, we were, had about 20 agents and we have about, um, let's just call it 30 people total between agents and support staff assistants, all of that stuff. We were running with about 30 people total. When we made the move, we had one agent go a different direction. Everybody else stayed on board with us. So we had a really good okay. transition over to where we were able to retain almost everybody. I think everybody really saw the vision. That's, that's awesome, man. And yeah, we were kind of the same way on, on maybe just a smaller scale. Because I think when we, when we broke from Keller Williams, we had 15 agents in one state. So... I can, I can relate. I'm, I'm curious though, when you, um, when, when you decided, when you decided as a, as the business owner that you were moving to EXP, what was the conversation with your team like? One of the things I learned, I made a big change with our brokerage about a year ago and I learned a really valuable lesson is there's a right way and a wrong way to, um, you know, convey a big change like this. And what ends up happening a lot of times with people is that they, it's so big and it's so scary that they don't know what to do and they bottle it all up inside. And then just one day they're just like, screw it, let's do it. And let's just tell everybody. And that's not really the right way to do it. Cause I did that same thing a year ago and lost a lot of people in the process. So what I learned from that lesson is you don't, when you have a big change like that, you really need to pull your core uh, people aside, the people that have been with you a long time, the ones that are really the icons in your company, the ones that people look up to, that people follow, that people emulate, pull those guys aside first and sit down and have a conversation with them about what you're looking to do, 
and make sure that they're on board, get their buy-in with it first. And it accomplishes a couple things. One, it makes sure they know they're special, right? That they're not just an agent with your team. They're your inner circle and you really value their opinion. And two, by getting their buy-in up front, when you then roll it out to the remainder of your team or your brokerage, then that inner circle who everybody looks up to is already on board and is going to have your back so that when objections come up, they're actually helping to handle those objections for you. And they're showing that they're excited and that they're all in on it. And I think that's really important. Anytime you make a big change with a team or a broker, just have that inner circle meeting first, get their buy-in, then roll it out to everybody else. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. And uh, I'm glad I think that will help a lot of people, especially people that are managing bigger teams, because what you're so essentially what you did is you got buy in from the top down. And I mean, let's face it, we know that um, we, we know as team leaders that uh, that that our team members are going to share different information with the team than than they might normally with us. And so if you can get the buy in from those icon agents on your team, uh, and and you can and 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 you it's it's more of a hey we've joined forces then you're right once the the agents that are maybe lower on the totem pole are are newer or maybe don't have that um, maybe don't have that you know that, that that guide then you know if you get the buy-in from your top agents then you know they can help you you know bring these other agents uh, with uh, you know with a different conversation along the way so I mean I, that's just I think that's a real piece of advice for for maybe those people who you know run large teams or even small teams for that matter, because you know even if you run a smaller team, you probably got one agent that does you know the bulk of the deals. So getting buy-in from that upper level, I think, is is critical, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes a massive difference when you roll that out. Um, again, making them feel special and having them support you on the rollout. You just can't you can't do it any better way that I know of. Yeah. So when, it, it's funny because when I was when I was getting ready to transition over, um, uh, I, I actually was considering opening opening up a Keller Williams Market Center. And, um, you know, we had a core group. I mean, we were literally it was supposed to launch uh, this month. Actually, if, if I would have stayed at Keller Williams, we'd have been launching that market center this month. And then this opportunity came to me um, uh, through Kinder. And, um, you know, I, I, I talked with him and, and then saw a video that he had sent out, but, you know, so the, 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 it was a little scary for me because, you know, I, I committed to opening this market center and, and then I, I heard about this idea. So, you know, you can imagine like, it was like, it was kind of like shit or get off the pot, you know what I mean? And so, you know, obviously we, we, we decided to go the XP route, but the reason why we decided to do it is because, you know, the market center would have been something that would have been good for me. It would have been profitable for me, but it wouldn't necessarily have done anything for everyone on my team. And so when I looked at the opportunity for EXP and I saw the opportunity for stock awards, I saw the opportunity for revenue share. And it, I just thought it made more sense for me long-term for sustainability purposes to, to go to EXP because, you know, a, a big issue for us was always recruiting and retention. Well, if I could provide this opportunity through revenue sharing and stock awards, then, you know, your best people, you know, would essentially never leave. And so I, I'm curious, what was, when you decided, hey, we're all in on EXP, what was it? What were, what were some of the main components for you that said, this is a better opportunity for me personally and my team 
than it is to run a brokerage. What, what, what are some of those things that stick out to you? Yeah, and, and just to make sure if people aren't familiar with me, I ran my own brokerage. I was an independent brokerage from day one. I've never worked for a franchise my entire career. I've never even really been entertained by a franchise. Like It's just never been something that I've been into. Um, and I got approached over the 12 months prior to making the move over to EXP. I got approached by multiple big brands from Realogy and NRT that you know were looking at purchasing us. And the selling of an independent brokerage is one of those things that everybody thinks is like the, the big sexy payoff at the end of the whole thing when you build an independent brokerage that you're going to build this thing and then sell it for millions and millions of dollars. But it's really not all that it seems. You know, what ends up happening is when they value your company, they're going to look at your net income, which is the technical term is EBITDA. They're going to look at your EBITDA, which is basically the net income of your company. Then they're going to take your production out of the equation. So a lot of the big brokerages out there um, where you have a leader who's still producing, once you take that team leader's production or that broker's production out of the equation, there's really no money left. You, usually all the agents cover the expenses and then the broker's production is the profit. <laughs> well, once you take that broker out, there's a lot of times no profit left over. So the brokerage is actually worthless. But let's just assume for some crazy reason that you net in a million bucks without you producing. Like you're just this crazy anomaly that pulls that off. And then, so that's your, um, that's the baseline, your EBITDA that they're going to work off of. Then they're going to pay you somewhere between three and five X on that number. So let's shoot in the middle and call it four X. So they're going to buy you for $4 million. Sounds amazing. Cool. Give me a check for 4 million. I'm out. But it doesn't work that way. You'll get a small portion of it up front and then you'll get the remainder over a multi-year period, let's just call it three years, that you've got to stay with the company and then get what's called an earn out. So you earn the other three million out of the deal. Well, to get that additional money, let's call it a million a year, you've got to hit certain benchmarks with the number of agents that stay with the company, the production of those agents. You've got to hit all these different milestones, which are so difficult to get because when you you get bought by one of these big franchises. Now there's going to be this new franchise fee that your agents weren't paying before when you were independent. So now you got six or 7% coming off the top. Good luck retaining all your agents with that. Now you're on a split, like a 90, 10 split. Well, you know, I did a million GCI personally last year. There goes a hundred thousand bucks a year, you know, that I'm paying just in my own splits. Like all this money starts disappearing. You miss all those earnout marks. Honestly, at the end of the day, after three years is done, you're lucky if you got half of that four million bucks. And again, like you mentioned, maybe I get that two million dollars after the four years is done. But what did my team get? They got stuck with a new franchise fee or whatever fee they want to call it that they didn't have before. Like, is that really a win for anybody? I didn't see that as a win. So I wanted to look for something else that you know, is not only going to benefit me, but it's going to benefit my team as well. And something that truly is going to provide for everybody. And when I saw the ability to build up, you know, something similar to a retirement plan with the stock that EXP provides, and then I saw the ability to build up some passive income with the revenue share opportunities they provide. And the fact that those are things that not only go to me, but go to everybody on my team, like that was huge for me. And that was a big game changer for us coming in. Um, I also looked at the fact that I'm not liable anymore. One of my new favorite sayings is not my problem because 
I'm not the broker. <laughs> you know, there's a broker of record now. So now when you know a situation gets sticky, I'm not the one who's got to deal with it. There's a broker that gets to deal with that. That's what he's paid to do. So to let go of a lot of those headaches and liabilities, huge. I was able to cut down my insurance costs by five figures. Um, so all that stuff was really big for us coming over. But what's been like, that's what led us to it is all the stock, the revenue share, the liability, cutting expenses, all that. But what I've come to actually appreciate the most now that we're in is the company of the people around us, you know, being able to co connect with you, being able to connect with guys like Mike Reese and Jay Kinder and Al Stasek and, you know, Brett Jennings up in Northern California, Mark Z out in Detroit, Alina Patton out in, you know, North Carolina, like to be, have access to all these people that are pouring into each other and helping like the community of this company is just on another level. And a big part of that is because we all own stock in the same company. We all want to see this company succeed. And so the willingness of everybody in the company to help and pour into each other has just been phenomenal. And the relationships and stuff that have been created just in the first few months here is just something that wasn't even on my radar when we made this move, but has actually become one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. That's awesome, man. That is that is awesome. And, and so, so now where you're at today, when, when did you guys join? Uh, like March. Okay. So you came on right around the same time we did. I think we came on in February. So now, so, and, and, and I guess you could say the dust is settled, uh, or at least settling now it is, is there anything that, you know, is there anything that's different for you now or, or have things pretty much after the dust is settled, are things pretty much like they were before you just added in this additional opportunity? Is that kind of where you guys are at right now? Yeah, I would say, you know, just for us having never been with a franchise, just kind of learning how to work within somebody else's framework. You know, there's a little bit of an adjustment for that, but I think we've got all that stuff, you know, nailed down now. We told our team like, hey, this is going to be a learning curve on this. This is totally new to you, just like it is new to us. So, um, you know, work with us on this and we'll get everything squared away. And, and I think we've really gotten stuff nailed down now. I know our TCs are loving using Skyslope as our transaction management system. We wanted Skyslope when we were independent, but it was too expensive. And so we had to have an inferior product. So now to have Skyslope has been really awesome. The TCs are loving that. A lot of the agents, you know, aren't starting to see some stock show up in their account. They're starting to see some revenue share checks show up. So that stuff has all just been really cool. I think, you know, it's the it's all come together. Um, and then there's just so much value being added by all the different people that we're in alignment with. Um, that part has just been amazing. That's that's awesome, man. Well, listen, hey, I, 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 I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, really, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering now, so that you've made the change. You guys are, you know, fully embedded into the EXP community. So let, let's peel back the onion a little bit further, man. So what, what is your why? Like what, what drives you every day to do all this? So my why uh, stems from both my parents have been through multiple cancers. My mom passed away uh, 2009 and it got to the point where she was on hospice, literally laying in her deathbed and not that my mom didn't live life to the fullest or anything. I just it was a very visual thing to actually see somebody laying in their deathbed and to think about the thoughts that are going to go through my head when my time comes and I'm laying in that bed. And, you know, the last thing I want is to be in that bed and have any regrets and, you know, wish I would have tried a little bit harder, wish, wish I would have taken a chance, wish I would have, 
you know, pushed more, wish I would have done this or that. I just don't want to have any of that. And so, you know, I've made a commitment to myself that I'm never going to go to sleep. My head's never going to hit the pillow if I know I left anything on the table that day. Like, I really want to just leave it all on the table day in, day out, give 100% of everything that I have, no matter what. And I can't sleep until I do that. And that is, it's become an obsession for me. Like, that's, that's all I know how to do. Like, I struggle sometimes because, you know, I'll have agents on my team set these goals and then they don't even start on them. They're like, I'm going to knock 100 doors this week. And then you check in, how'd you do? I knocked zero. The hell do you mean you knock zero? Like, I, don't, I can't even comprehend that. Like, my, my brain is just not wired that way. I don't even understand. Like, if I said I'm going to knock 100 doors, I'm probably going to end up knocking 200. Like, that's just all I know. Um, because I'm always going to go all out with every single thing that I do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It, it, isn't that interesting? Um, you know, the, the the perspective you have on life is just is 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 amazing because it's it's truly the fire that burns inside you that when you wake up every day, you know, you're on a mission. It's like we start every day unemployed, and, and that's kind of the way I look at everything. And sometimes for my agents. I want it worse than they do. And, and like you, it, it is very hard for me to comprehend, uh, comprehend that. And, and so I, I certainly understand that mindset. I, I'm curious, the, you know, when it's all said and done, if they're writing a book about you, like what kind of legacy do you want to live? I, I leave, if you're leaving a legacy, like what, what, do you want, what do you want that to look like? I think the most important thing for me is just the fact that I was always real, like that I always kept everything real. I didn't sugarcoat anything. I didn't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. Like I just was always open and honest and true to who I am. The things that, that bug the hell out of me is just when you see people trying to, you know, pretend they're somebody that they're not. Like that just, that eats away at me. Um, you know, I never want to be that person. I want to, you know, be known as a person that always pushed it and put everything he had on the table day in, day out. And whether that results in me being number one in this or that, that's not as important to me as knowing inside that I left it all on the table. So last question for you. Um, what would you tell that agent or that broker listening to this podcast that was thinking about making a move to EXP or just knew there was a better way to, to, to do business? What would you tell them? I would say that there's really two brokerages that are going to thrive over the next few years. And it's the 100% shops where you can go and, and pay a flat fee per transaction or you can pay X dollars per year and do unlimited transactions. I think those guys are going to do really well as the market corrects. And then you've got EXP. And so people are going to have to make a decision. Do you want to go to the 100% shop where you basically have a name to put on a contract and really not much of anything else? You know, They're not providing you a whole lot of systems. They're not providing you a lot of hands-on training. They're not providing you um, with other income opportunities. It's really, it's like a FISBO is the way that I look at the 100% shops. Like, is a FISBO doing it the cheapest way possible? Are they saving themselves some money on the commission? Absolutely. But are they putting the most money in their pocket? Definitely not. And I look at EXP as the FISBO alternative when it comes to brokerages because you're still paying a really low amount but you're getting massive, massive value. Just like a FISBO knows if they listed with us, they're going to get massive value. 
some FISBOs are stubborn and, and they decide to go their own route. And I mean, if you look at the statistics, depending on which statistics you look at, they end up making anywhere from 10 to 20% less money in their pocket at the end of the day. I think agents are going to see the same thing. You can go to that 100% shop and pay less to the brokerage, but you're probably going to leave a lot of money on the table. And that's because opportunities like eXp, where they're providing you things on the front end, like, um, you know, KV core and making it rain to generate leads and manage those leads and turn those, you know, leads into contracts. And then on the back end, you got things like Skyslope to help you manage those contracts and turn them into closings. Like they're providing tools like that for you. They're providing everything in the cloud, which has been amazing um, to see because the support is something that I wasn't expecting. Like right now in a normal brokerage, if you need help with something, you go walk down the hall, see if your broker's there and then he's not there. Um, then you got to call that person and then they don't answer and then they call you back and you miss the call and then you play phone tag back and forth or you play text tag or you play email tag. Like it's so inefficient where EXP, you just walk into the cloud and there's a group of people standing there just waiting to help you and you get real time support without having to wait for, you know, play games of text tag or email tag or phone tag. Like you just walk in there and people are lined up ready to help you, which has been really amazing. Um, the stock stuff is really cool. I mean, the stock, if you're paying attention to what's happened, getting uplisted to NASDAQ, all that stuff, the stock's performing really well. And, you know, we're definitely hopeful about the future of the stock. And then the revenue share, I mean, there's people in this company making a million plus dollars a year in revenue share, whether they sell a house or not. Like, that's an insane opportunity where most brokerages, you recruit, help recruit somebody to the company and they take you out to dinner or something. And that's it. One time. Where this, you can build generational wealth for yourself and pass it on to your kids. I mean, the opportunities of what they're providing is just insane because they're helping you one, sell more real estate and two, giving you two additional ways to you know support yourself and your family. So if you're thinking about doing it, just do it now. Don't wait because if you look at this as you know, in a nine inning baseball game, we're in like the first or second inning. This company is still young. We know that this company is going to break 100,000. We believe it might be the first company to break 200,000 agents. If you get in on this thing earlier, you're going to be set up for success because, you know, let's say this makes it to 200,000 agents. That's another 185, 190,000 agents that are going to join this company that have to name a sponsor. Why not that sponsor be you? You know, why be agent 200,000 when you could be agent 12,000 and, you know, then help spread the word about this company and, and build this massive revenue share for yourself and, and have passive income that's going to support you for a long time to come. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I could not agree more with you about the opportunity. Uh, it is huge. Uh, I think we're at roughly 11,600 agents right now. And so you can only imagine the type of opportunity that's out there. And I truly believe there are two agents, two kinds of agents out there right now. There are agents that get it and there are agents that are going to get it. And uh, the agents that get it right now are, 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 are obviously uh, they have the biggest opportunity for when, when you talk about revenue share and when you talk about stock awards. And so, you know, that's why obviously we wanted to be part of the early adopter crowd. And, and you know, that's why we joined, uh, in, you know, EXP and that's why we brought our team over. So, you know, and by the way, thank you so much for, for just being a part of, of, of what we're doing here today on Agent Revolution. Um, you know, it's truly been a pleasure to talk to you. You've definitely dropped some knowledge uh, out there for our audience. How can people connect with you? The best way to connect, we started a Facebook group called The Whistle Way. And what I've learned over the years is a lot of people have the same questions. And rather than me answering people's questions in a one-on-one -on -one format, let's answer it in a group format. So that way when 
somebody has a question about how we do our open houses or how we do video, they can ask a question. Now everybody in the group can learn from it. And I find that that's just a much better way to go. And we share stuff in there, little snippets from our meetings, tools and tricks and all this fun stuff that we're working on. So I'm capped out on Facebook. Um, I can't add anybody else on there. Um, so joining the Whistle Way group on Facebook is a great way to connect or follow me on Instagram. Okay. The Whistle Way yep. on the Facebook? On Facebook. It's a group. Yep. Awesome, man. We will definitely connect with you there. Hey, thanks so much again for being a part of the show today. And uh, man, I wish you the best. Cool, man. Thanks, dude. Wow. That was really fun. Kyle is a pretty amazing dude. I so admire the culture he's built with his team and how they just crush it in San Diego. Hey, if you know someone who you think might enjoy the podcast, please share it with them. If you like the podcast, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. If you're curious about what eXp can do for your life and your business, head on over to explodingwealth.com and watch my short video to get more details and see if eXp is right for your business. If you have questions for me about eXp, you can schedule 30 minutes with me at meetmikewall.com. That's it for this episode of Agent Revolution, and we'll see you next week. 